Happy New Year and welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linway. Today we did an interview with Kevin Curry, our first guest of the year. Talks all about sculpture and travels and all the wonderful things he's got going on in the studio. It's a great interview. Please stay tuned. Welcome to uh, the first studio break for the year. Uh, very excited to have Kevin Curry on the phone, or at least the Skype channel. So how are you doing this morning, Kevin? Doing very good. Thank you, Dave. Uh, it's excellent to have you. Excellent. Um, Great and, to be here. And obviously, you know, you, 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 you can try to keep tabs on your friends, but you only know, I guess, so much about them. So it'll be, it'll be fun to find out a little bit more about you. Um, and so first, I think the first thing that I just wanted to ask you is, because uh, I don't know, where, where did you grow up? And, and I guess, what was that like? Um, I, for some reason, I imagine you with like a, with like a, a screwdriver or like a Leatherman in hand at like the age of three, but no, no, that wasn't me at all, actually. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the reader's digest version of, of my youth. Um, I was born in New York and at, at a very young age, four or five, um, I traveled overseas with my father and my brother. And so I, I didn't grow up in America. I grew up in a couple years in Puerto Rico, a couple years in South Africa, or four years in South Africa. And I went to high school in Australia, came back to America when I was 18. Um, so it really, it's not my upbringing. Right, right. Being here, which is, which I think gave me a very um, unique perspective on this country because I knew nothing about it at all. Huh. Um, so that was interesting. And then after living all these beautiful places around the world, my father used to work for Ford, uh, Ford Credit. Um, so, of course, when we get transferred back to the States, after living in all these beautiful places, we end up in Detroit, which, which was my <laughs> baptism into American society was going to school in Detroit. Right, right. So that was fun. Well, and, and so when you when you did um, when you say school, are you talking about like high school or are you talking about college? Um, that's where I went. That's where I did my undergrad. Okay. In, at the Center for Creative Studies. Okay. And was uh, it? What I mean, I I can't remember. I I thought that maybe um, you did you start off in graphic design? Yes. My, okay. my degree was in graphic communication, and then after college, I stayed in Detroit for a little bit. I, I had an uh, internship that turned into a full-time job at an ad agency um, doing peon work as everyone does when they get out of school, um, even grad school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so after a year of that, I moved to New York and then worked in advertising for like five, maybe five years right. in New York and then in Philadelphia as an art director. And I did that whole Thai meetings BS thing and then started my own company, um, doing um, book design with with my now ex wife. Right. Um, then I moved on to doing illustration work. Um, Macintosh computers had come out, and I started to. Um, no one was really using them that much, so I started. Actually, my first job, I sat in a meeting, and they wanted this whole thing photoshopped together, and I said, "I can do that." And they gave me the job, and I went out that day, and I bought Photoshop. <laughs> I've never even seen it before, and I bought every book I could find on it. And I did that job, and for the next 14 years, that's how it went. Not the inco 
experience, but the, sure, the idea sure. of just job to job, I never really, I never really planned it out. I didn't plan on, you know, going into advertising, becoming an illustrator, doing all these things. It just seemed to work out that way. And I, and I was, I'm just one of these people who's willing to flow with it, I guess, right. for better or worse. Well, and so then, you know, during that time then was, was, um, you know, you know, making things in, I guess, um, you know, a more, I don't know, you know, just like uh, in a level of, of it being less functional, um, you know, less about communication. Was, was there anything that was kind of nagging then, I guess, in terms of. For my know, own artwork, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did you, how, what was the transition like then I, for you to decide, um, well, you know. I, I always made stuff. Or I, 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 you know, I, I paint or I do things, but there was, it was never to any level of commitment. It was more, you know, I, I had a talent for it and I, you know, I entered a couple shows, but then career moved in and that, you know, making money, doing that whole thing came into it. Um, probably maybe 10 or 12 years ago is when I, started thinking about in earnest of like, I want to make these things. I was always very good with my hands. I had renovated how that's what I was doing. I was always buying houses and renovating them. So I was, I was making things, but no artwork. Right. Um, and so, and my illustration business, I was getting burned out on that. And I really wanted to pursue my own voice. And so, and all along the years, I, I always took classes wherever I lived. I'd find a school, I'd take a class, because that's how I kept moving um, creatively. And um, after years of kind of dipping my toe into it and, and, and liking the water, I, I finally decided in uh, 2004, 2005 to um, start applying to graduate schools. Right. And what I was looking for was I just wanted time right? I didn't have to do anything else except finally embrace and find my voice and just see where it was going to go. And it turned into one of the best experiences I've had in my life. Sure. And that's when I was, I mean, when I started at um, Southern Illinois where you and I met, I was uh, 44 years old at that point. Right. So I was, it was, it was a different world for me. It, it, it was fantastic. It was like a second chance for me. Um, so that, that was, um, that's why I embraced it so much. Cause it was just having three years basically to do what I want in the studio. That's just gravy. That's, that's fantastic. Right. Right. No well, one gets to do that. Well, and you know, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, um, it's always been so fun about you, Kevin, just because I, I think of you as like a, a, I don't know, as a non-aging, okay. like... As long as you don't say father figure, I'm okay. No, well, that's that's what I mean. I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, um, you know, that sense of adventure is something that I think always seemed to be, you know, apparent, you know. Um, and I think it's interesting, too. I mean, was was there any, was it just then, like you're, you're talking about just the idea of time, I mean, was there, I guess... Um, any thought into maybe picking a, a different t kind of territory or was it just about, you know, I know obviously Southern Illinois has, um, you know, a huge, uh, glass making, you know, and, and mm -hmm. you know, um, foundry and, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it kind of provides you a lot of options in that regards too. So, yeah, 
Yeah, do you mean location of the school? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, you know, you you traveled the world and and kind of done yeah. all these things. Um, it seems interesting to kind of, <laughs> you know, move to you know get your experience in terms of America by you know going to Detroit and then you know visiting the place that you went to. So yeah, uh, it's just yeah, kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah. So well, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think as part of my upbringing and us moving so much, it's not that I embrace it, or it's not that I. I could dream of like continually moving because it's, you know, it's difficult and it's not something I really want to do forever. It's just that I, I have this willingness to do it. If an opportunity comes up, like, yeah, I'll do that. I'm not on the, on the downside. I'm not held down by conventional roots that a lot of people have. My family is all over the place. Since I grew up far away, I'm not super close with my, my um, extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, so in choosing to go to school in southern, southern Illinois, it was, it was somewhat of a, um, at least the way I look at it, it was somewhat of a pragmatic decision in that it was a three-year program and I wanted three years. Right. Um, they had, I liked the openness of the sculpture program. It was basically do what you want, go, you know, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want to, some schools I had looked at, it was very confining. It was either too conventional or traditional. And I just wanted, I just wanted the time and space to, to, um, to really dig into what I knew I had, but I just had never had the ability, um, or the, the, the time ability to, um, to experience it. I, previous to my accepting, um, graduate school at Southern Illinois, I was offered, a, a very nice opportunity at the University of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I turned that down because I thought it was a little too small. And I regretted that decision until Katrina hit New Orleans within like six months or so. Right. And some of their graduate students actually came to our school. Right. Right. And um, even though SIU is in the middle of nowhere, I, I made a, um, an, an amazing group of friends, including yourself, that... I, I know I'll have with me for the rest of my life and getting to see the arc of everyone's career or decisions or where they're going is fascinating to me. It's like having a, a second life in a way. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I really appreciate it in terms of too, about what, what you're talking about. Um, and I, I think it, it kind of stems into a different question for me, but um, you know, the way that there's kind of like this transition, at least for me anyways, in terms of, um, how much more I appreciate, um, um, my experience in graduate school, you know, despite all of the, um, things that can kind of go on in it. But I think Mm -hmm. especially just the, the diversity and kind of freedom of, of the people that, that are around you, you know, um, cause it's not, you know, it's not, it didn't seem like a place where, where I can, I can look at it and go, you know, this is the shtick, you know, you know, making, uh, figurative paintings, or, you know, something of that nature. So I think that's one of the things that I really like. But, um, you know, just in terms of then taking advantage of that opportunity, was it, did you find that it was super easy in terms of adjusting? Because, you know, you've spent all this time working, you know what that's like. And so to have, you know, this time to be creative and, and do what you want. I mean, did you find that as, as to be kind of like a big advantage maybe over yes, some youngsters? Um... <laughs> Yeah, it, it. I think I never really thought about that. that. That's an interesting point. I, I think for me, 
that even though the work wasn't easy or trying to progress through my own work was not easy, but the idea of just working was, that's all I, that's what I did. I, you know, I was, I had had a career already and I was going back to school when most people were thinking about moving to Florida and playing golf all the time. Right. So for me, the work was, um, that was probably the, the easiest part or the desire to work. The sure. desire to, to do these things and not to, even though, you know, there's plenty, as you know, there's plenty of fun times and there's plenty of crazy times, but it's all part of this bigger thing, this bigger idea of growth and, and personal growth too, which I think, you know, a lot of people tend to avoid. Um, right. And that's part of it. Well, and I, I think ultimately the things that wind up, you know, getting you further along to where you are, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Whether whether, absolutely. whether it be a, a podcast that you start, you know, just, <laughs> exactly. just randomly thinking nobody's going to listen to this. <laughs> um, I will. So, and my mom probably will. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what, you know, what kind of work were you making, um, I guess, coming, you know, like what did you wind up applying with? Um, was it, I mean, kind of sculptural or? It, it, was, it was a bit of both. Actually, when I was applying to graduate schools, I, um, at that time, I had been continuing my um, unplanned moving around the country and I'd been living in Los Angeles and then I moved to Alabama and I, it's a very long story, not enough time here for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and while I was in Alabama, I still had my illustration business and I was still doing that even though it was getting more and more difficult because the market was starting to tank and it, things were just getting more difficult. So um, I started taking classes at Auburn University and I took sculpture and painting classes to, I figured, to start working on and actually get a body of work in some way to start applying to graduate schools. So when I applied to school, I actually applied to both departments. I applied to painting and I applied to sculpture. And I, I, I was favorably received by both. Right. Um, but the kind of work I applied with, um, like the painting work, dealt more with uh, my my graphic sensibilities from my background and and this this aesthetic quality that I that I had from from years of just doing that and that the sculptural pieces were more um, they're more indicative of a lot of the work I do now like extremely laborious very time consuming and even though I didn't realize it at the time they were starting to reflect this interest in the everyday, these things that, that we surround ourselves with in life, um, which I, I, I don't know if I still consciously do that, but it's just what I gravitate towards. I, I just see this stockpile of information all around us all the time and this openness to explore. And that was the biggest thing in grad school that I liked and that I've continued now is not just an interest, but a willingness to explore ideas, to embrace technologies, just to use whatever I need. The idea has always come first, and then how to make that idea. How, what's it going to look like? How is this going to you know, come to fruition? That's always been the most important, and that's something that I'll always approach it that way. The idea is always the main thing. And it frees me up material-wise to, to do what I want, and because I, I never want to be pegged as, oh, you're that guy who does X, or you're the guy who does Y. Right. 
I just want to be the guy who's like, hey, you're the guy who does awesome stuff. Well, no, and it, it, I think it certainly makes it, you know, more, you know, diverse. Because um, obviously, you know, I, I've, I've tended to become a painter, I guess, uh, predominantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's okay, Dave. But um, so, so I mean, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this idea of, you know, um, you know, the everyday, because I think so. There's certainly that kind of connection, you know, that that I have, you know, just in general with, um, you know, my surroundings, and obviously with all with all of your traveling and all that other stuff. I mean, so you know, for example, um, I think one of the first pieces that I remember you making was that um, that big um, that big wall. It was like a corner piece with uh, those pizza boxes. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, and so, well, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious cause I mean, obviously then, um, you know, and you might maybe give me, give me an example in terms of maybe something that started out more as, as an idea, but I mean, is that, is that something that in terms of every day that you're kind of walking past and kind of being like, I should do something with these, these like kind of littered things or. That, that's so funny that you say that because that is exactly, especially that piece. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how that piece started. Right. I was living close to my studio, and every morning, I, every morning I'd walk there, and there was that pizza place, and they sold slices, and each slice went in the styrofoam container, and people usually after the bars would buy a slice and toss the container, and as I walked to school, it was like it had snowed, and these things were just all over the place, and it started with me just picking up a couple. And, and throwing them away, just getting them off the sidewalk, being, right. you know, the good neighbor. And it, maybe it was the patterning of them, but, or just, maybe it's just the quantity. And I had no idea what I was going to do with them, but I just brought up, I picked up a bunch one morning, and I just put them in my studio. And a, a funny side story to this was that w- when I was working on that piece um, that was titled Vortex, and I was, I was ended up gluing these things together into this form. I would go out deliberately every morning looking for these things. And one morning I was out there and I was picking up containers and there was this car that I could sense. I was being kind of followed or watched. And it was this white, nondescript car. And eventually um, this guy pulled up next to me as I'm walking down the street carrying on these things. And he asked me if I worked for the pizza place. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I gave him a brief explanation of like, you know, I'm an artist and you know, I'm going to do something with these. And he asked me my name and, and he's like, thanks. Have a nice day. And he just took off and that was it. And it was kind of weird, but huh. you know, whatever. Three or four days later, I get a phone call from, and he introduces himself. He's like, I'm the gentleman who met you the other morning. I'm from the city of Carbondale. And you have been nominated for Citizen of the Month for picking up trash in the city. And if I was to get this, I'd meet the mayor. And I had this great plan. I was going to make a styrofoam suit, and I was going to meet the mayor wearing all this trash. But I didn't get Citizen of the Month, and it really kind of pissed me off. I don't oh, know man. who got it that month. but Well, you got to wonder. Um, it's not that big a town. Well, it makes you feel good then. Yeah, yeah. I so guess there's, it there's, was interesting, and, uh, and there was something about that that I really enjoyed. This idea of just walking past these things every day, deciding to do something with it, and just these these tangential stories that happen as a result of that, I think is um, I, th- I think is really interesting. And it's, it's actually how a lot of my work um, 
progresses. It, it's it's based on observation. It's just seeing what's around you. It's seeing what's um, what what's truly around you, and and these you know like even silly things, things that are like books that are on your shelves and just weird things like that. It, it keeps it very open and keeps it interesting for me. Well, and and so that's kind of how you approach it. I mean, um, are there any maybe other kind of I don't know, interesting tidbits or examples? Uh, maybe something that you never thought you would work with? Um, well, on, on the technological side, like electronics and microprocessors, I, I, um, I have an interest in those, and I've done a couple pieces, yet I, I've never really done anything that I feel truly valid about using that because it, 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 it all still feels very gimmicky to me. Right. Like I'm, I, I've made things or I've played with things that I can do with these things. And, and, and it just doesn't seem um, true to what I'm trying to say. But it's something I have a lot of interest in and I see a lot of potential in it um, for future pieces. So I try and stay um, I try and stay current, even though I am not a technology-based person. I, I'm very good at doing what I'm told and following directions on how to make things like electronics, but that's not how my brain works. Right. Um, but I like embracing, you know, I, I like, I, I really enjoy the idea of taking something that people perhaps use for a certain purpose and repurposing it, re- taking it out of context and bringing it into my world and then representing it to people and getting them to see things for the first time. It might be, you know, an electronic thing. It might be a piece of garbage, but they get to see it um, in, in a whole new light. And then it changes the way they see everything from then on. And that's something I push with my students as well. Sure. Well, and, observation. And, and, you know, it's, um, again, I, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, you, for myself, just for doing this project, I kind of learn, um, you know, obviously a lot about different people, but also a lot of the similarities. Sure. And, um, you know, that's, it's something very similar to what you just said in terms of something that's in my artist statement, you know, <laughs> that's where I got it from. Oh, I, I figured, <laughs> um, well, but, but you see, that's the thing that's interesting. I mean, I, I think you're, you know, also because it seems like you work a lot with what's around you. Um, you know, you're able to take these things that, you know, might be neglected or taken for granted and kind of repurposing them in a way that, you know, really does allow people to kind of see it in a different light. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, I mean, in, th- in that regards, like, you know, obviously you've, um, you know, you've moved on from Carbondale and, um, I guess just, just for the, for the actual sake of being, uh, <laughs> you know, like a real interview, you're, you're in Denver now, is that right? Yes. I, I, I live in Denver now. Um, after, after Carbondale, I moved to Houston, Texas for a residency there. Then after that, I, I was offered an adjunct position at the University of Denver, and simultaneously I was offered another residency at Art342 that I know you're familiar with right? up in Fort Collins. Um, so, yes, Denver. Denver's home now, trying to make it home for a long time. We'll see how that goes. Um, put in a good word for me. Um, I will. It's, I will. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great thing out there. And, you know, and, and actually I, I don't want to jump too far ahead cause I forgot about that too. So, I mean, you know, so for example, um, you know, like when you move to, when you move to Houston, then, um, you know, how do you decide what you leave behind? 
you know, because <laughs> if anybody's if anybody has ever walked into Kevin's studio, you've got a lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> you know, that's actually changed now. Yeah, and my my I, I, I'll send you a photograph of my studio now. I actually keep it quite um, in comparison to what it used to be. It, it, it's quite sparse. Yes, I, I, I used to. It was hard to walk through my studio. It was like an episode of Hoarders at, at <laughs> one point because there were so many ideas and everything had potential. And, and I think over time I've learned w- what is more just a curiosity and what's something that's interesting. Sure. But to answer your question, in deciding what to take with me, when I went to Texas, I actually left a storage unit full of stuff in Southern Illinois. Right. <laughs> that after the residency, I went and I, I got most of it. I sold a lot of stuff, and actually, that's a great thing. I got a lot of, I got rid of a lot of stuff. I thought you were going to say you made a ton of money. Yeah, <laughs> I, I made I made enough to get fast to get me to Colorado. Well, that's good. But it, lighten, it lightens your load. I think it lightens your, your your spiritual load as well. Just getting rid of these things, and I, it it, it that actually helped me a lot. Um, move beyond this this materialistic life, and and just to I deal with what's important, and what's important to me is making art, and everything right. else comes secondary. Well, and it you know to get a little sidetracked here, if you've ever if you haven't ever heard. Um, you know, there's a there's a great bit that George Carlin does about you know how like houses are all about like a place to keep your stuff, uh-huh. and you know when you go to other people's houses, it's like you're not comfortable because there's none of your stuff. Um, but it, it's interesting because you realize that it seems like there's a lot. It's very easy to be living your life about that, you know. Oh, absolutely. About I think, stuff. I think most people do moving moving your stuff from one place to another and. You know, getting a larger house for your stuff, but um, you know, in terms of the the process and and moving to say Houston, then, um, which I think would be a, kind of a nice transition here. Um, you know, so you're in a new place. Um, you know, what what work did you kind of make there? Um, I know that there was also, um, I believe, a hurricane or or a storm that had kind of come past that you've made work from. Yeah. Um, but I mean, was were those were those pieces or those works that you were doing there? Were they all connected? Were they all kind of different? Like you you were kind of saying before, you like to be able to jump around and. Well, I, I do like to jump around, but my work tends to um, be a a reaction on my part to my environment, right? As with many many artists, and so when I moved to Houston, I'd been working on this series of cairns that I would build these wooden forms that I made out of. Um, I would make them out of old signs that I would find. And I had been doing that for a little bit, and I really enjoyed them. But I was looking to, I wanted to take a jump. I wanted to move beyond that. And like you said, two weeks, less than two weeks after I moved to Houston, they got hit by a massive hurricane, Hurricane Ike. And after the hurricane ended, I went out driving as much as you could drive because the streets were just a mess. And Every sign had been sucked off the buildings of Houston and, like, strewn all over the place. And, you know, I, I'm not a religious person, but I kind of took that as a, a – no pun, but I took that as a sign that maybe I should continue this body of work. So while I was there, I actually expanded on that body of work and, and, and worked with these materials um, both for – a, a reaction to my aesthetic 
decisions, but also a reaction to that occurrence, that hurricane. And it became this conversation, um, which was pretty interesting. Right, right. Well, and I know that, you know, I, I think you had, because um, that's that's about the time, at some point afterwards that I had kind of rolled through. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. I'd finished up that residency in Dallas. Um, yeah. But you had that um, that shelter, I think, that you had built. Yeah, I, I, built a, I built that small house um, right, right. out of all the debris I found from the hurricane that everyone had piled up on the side of the road to be taken away. So I was like racing ahead of garbage trucks just trying to get this stuff. And so I built this small structure um, in a very traditional house form, and it was the size, the interior was the size to exactly fit a, a single bed. And it was this idea of a safe place and this idea of, like, when you're a kid, you finally get your own bed. It's like, that's yours and this is your location. And just having somewhere safe after the storm. And so this is all made out of fencing and, um, like, old wood. And then the whole ceiling was made out of um, backlit signs that had come off. And I made, uh, I don't know, 500 or so shingles. And so the light would stream through during the day, like a stained glass ceiling, and then at night it would be illuminated from the inside. Um, now, a, a sideline, part of the difficulty of being a sculptor, especially if you make larger things, again, if you're moving a lot, it's a serious problem. Because now I had this, basically this four foot by eight foot house on wheels. <laughs> that they were, you know, I could have towed it all the way to Denver. Uh, but it and this made me so happy. This couple came by. It was installed outside the residency in Houston, and they wanted to purchase it to use as a playhouse for their kid. And that was the biggest compliment. And I just love the fact that now it's in their yard, and this kid is in there. To me, that's a fantastic thing. I sure, love that. sure, and in a much better context than you know, just maybe uh, post disaster abilities to uh, build shelters which absolutely which when yeah. the, you know i don't know what i don't know what the uh, um maybe it's just because of all the uh talk of apocalyptic kind of kind of endings and stuff but um you'd be very handy in the event of uh, uh, some kind of zombie attack or oh wait, i'm looking forward to it. I, i'm thinking anyway any, you know being able to being able to build things is a great thing but to be able to be so resourceful with materials I, i'm telling you um so in terms of, you know, um, just some more of these kind of sculptural pieces, I mean, have you, have you also done then um, a decent amount of like site-specific type work? I, I, I've done a few. I've done a few. Most recently, I, um, I did a piece. I was an installation in Chicago, and there were four flags um, th- that I, I sewed, and it was, it was this um, typographic um, environmentally controlled piece where these four flags were on top of a, a four-story building there, the Little Street Art Studios and or Art Center. And on when the wind was blowing in one direction, these flags in order would say, I will love you. And when, when the wind would change, as winds and emotions tend to do, the flags would blow the other way and they would say, I would leave you or I will leave you. And it, it became this kind of dark, playful thing of this back and forth of the way, not just the weather, but how people go back and forth and we change. And, and that's okay. It's just the way it is. Um, 
And there are images of that on my website at kcurry.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and there's going to be some examples of that. And right. I'm actually, you're, you're, you're so exciting that I'm, I'm jumping, I'm going to be jumping out of order, but, um, you, you sparked my, my curiosity here. Um, you know, cause it, it kind of strikes me just again, and kind of talking to you that, um, Oh, now I'm, now I'm looking at you. Um, but, um, how, you know, that, that idea of experience is so important. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess I'm, I'm just curious then in terms of research, is that something that you think of them more as these kind of experiences or, you know, even, even just that little idea of, you know, things changing with the wind, um, like relationships, um, you know, it strikes me then as being much more about an experience or, you know, like philosophical thinking or, you know, just contemplating things rather than just, yeah, you know, it, fo- following, following a trend, I guess, or. It was definitely a very contemplative approach. Um, now, you know, for example, that piece was not necessarily a piece I had, you know, sketched out and been thinking of years to make. It was in response to, to that particular location. Right. Um, you know, they have a thing where the artists do four flags on top of this building. And, and again, again, and I embrace my background as a designer and a graphic designer and working with type and working with all, you know, these type of elements. And it, it just struck me this idea of the motion of these flags can really embrace this, this motion that we experience uh, on, a, on another level. And sometimes things just work out like that. Now, as you know, for every idea that I or you or any other artist ends up showing and is happy with, there are dozens of ideas that end up in the garbage right. that just don't make it. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a huge and exhausting, never-ending um, path, which is the way it should be. Right, right. And I guess to get more specifically about, I guess, what I was kind of after then, I mean, is it, do you think that your research then is more based off of that, that kind of trial and error or, you know, is it, is it something where you can really be spurred on by, you know, following, you know, something or, or, you know what I mean? Some kind of idea, the way that, you know, again, obviously in graduate school, you're, you're studying all these different points of view, different ideas about making work and that. And so, you know, I, I've, and again, maybe this is this is going to be the podcast that um, helps me um, not move up in the field. But um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I, I think that it's really it's so easy for people. I think sometimes to kind of disregard just the aspect of just kind of thinking through something on their own, mm-hmm. and to, and to really kind of evolve that process. Um, and so for me, that's always been in some ways a bit more important than you know, reading the most contemporary ideas about, you know, I don't know, globalism or, you know what I mean? Something that's like that. And so I'm just kind of curious then, you know, is that, is that something that you kind of think of as something that kind of supplementarily like supports your work or is it something that, you know, you're still really, really invested in? It, it's, you know, I, I honestly, and it might sound like a cop out, but it's both. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it really is this for me, there's an ongoing exploration involved um, that, that kind of encompasses everything. But I, but I do, I 
when I look at my work, I do see these very, very distinct patterns uh, of thought that are involved. And so it is a continual exploration of those being supported by an equally continual um, embracing of things I read, of things I see, of, you know, philosophy, of, of going back. It, like, they bolster each other. And this tenacity to, to just keep pursuing an idea and making it, making it correct for me. Um, there are things I started years ago that got shelved and now I go back to them and I'm like, now I know the right way to do this. Cause I've perhaps I, I've read these things or I, or I've studied someone or I don't know, just whatever it takes to finally look at it in a new light again. And, and so now it's, that's a, that is a good idea. And I knew there was something there. That's why I keep endless sketchbooks because I, I, I put the most ridiculous ideas down on paper because eventually I come back to them with, with fresh eyes and, and I get to see it for what it was. And it's not cliche now. And now I can really pursue it. Well, and so in terms of process, then is that some, do you, or do you carry around then a sketchbook kind of like wherever you go? Pretty much. Pretty, I, yeah, I, rarely am without something to write on or something to draw with. Right. Um, I, I actually do not feel comfortable if I'm, if I go out, at least if I don't have a pencil or a, usually a pencil rather than a pen, but I strangely feel uncomfortable, even though I may never use it. It's the potential because maybe, you know, I'm, I'm scatterbrained. And if I don't write something down, I will forget it. And it's the worst feeling in the world to try and remember it was like man i had a great idea and now it's just gone it doesn't always pan out sure sure um and so i've got you know a handful of more work-related questions um yeah but one, one of the things that i'm kind of interested too is i mean you know obviously you do also um some very interactive pieces yes you know that kind of really kind of rely on on, on the viewers kind of participation um yes you know is again is that, is that something that you kind of just see as um, obviously you know something that's different and interesting to you? But I mean, you know, is there a different process that you kind of go through in terms of figuring those out, or is it just kind of you know again thinking about thinking through these things and then I don't know putting them to get, together into thinking like yeah you know this would be a great thing or I, I think the process the, the thought process is pretty much the same, but when it comes to an interactive piece, it's. Um, it's more challenging just technically if someone's going to be like, I have a piece where people have to stand on this thing. So it has to be built in order to take this over and over and over again. So there's a structural quality that has to be handled. But on a conceptual level, I, I really enjoy this idea of making art that people can look at and, and, and get this, this, um, aesthetic joy out of but but also this physical interaction like it doesn't become complete with, without them doing whatever it is they're going to do and i really enjoy that and maybe that comes from um like museums and galleries we're all trained you know you don't touch the artwork you don't do these things and i, I think there's a certain amount of freedom and bringing this idea of play into art and even though I, I, I really embrace um, 
the intellectualism involved in a lot of my work, I also fully embraced this idea of, of playfulness and relatability by, by people who are perhaps not in the art world. They don't, you know, perhaps they don't under, or they're afraid, people are afraid of art. They think they don't understand it and they just think too much. And it's, it's fine to, um, just enjoy a piece. And so I, so I, my enjoyment is, is kind of standing off to the side and just seeing people interact with this thing with minimal, um, instruction. Well, and you know, one of the things that I, that I really appreciate, um, it's just trying to trying to deal trying to deal with that, you know. It's something that it, I guess people can kind of disregard, you know, in terms of in terms of an audience. Just you know, leaving it up to being a you know an art educated art audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, I mean, I I don't know. I I feel like the work that I've always responded to the most are things that kind of appear to be simple. But then, you know, just like an onion, you can kind of peel back all these different layers to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And, um, it's, and I, I enjoy that, too. This this idea, not only my own work, but in work that interests me that I see is, just like you said, this layering where it's, it's more than I thought it was. Um, and sometimes that happens with my own work, too. I'll make something and then I'll see, like, this is much more than I thought it was. And it, it was in there, but I, I even I wasn't seeing it um, until you're you know you're, you have your hands on it for so long making it, and you're you're having at least I have these very detailed inner conversations while I'm working and arguments and discussions and philosophical you know debates, uh, and and you really start digging deeper and deeper into a piece. That's how I know, or that's how I I find my happiness in my work. If it, if it continues to interest me after spending weeks, months, however long to get this thing completed, if I am still interested in this piece, then I, I know I've, um, I'm on to something. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned time because, you know, um, I, I believe also when I visited you in Houston, and I, I had no idea when, the, when you ever completed this, but um, how many times did you decide maybe I, should, maybe I shouldn't have done this um, – this $5 bill project. <laughs> and, Every time I start another one. Well, and, and, if, and if you could just kind of maybe, you know, I think people hopefully will be able to, to go to the, the Studio Break website to kind of see it, but um, yeah. if you could just kind of explain the process a little bit for those that are just going to be listening about this. Sure, sure. It's, um, I'm, I'm on my third piece in this series. I'm, I'm doing $10 bills now. So what I do in this series is I, I take... All American currency is the same size. Um, off the top of my head, I think it's two six by two and a quarter inches, I believe. Not sure. Um, I divide it up by into eight inch segments, which comes out to a thousand and twenty nine segments. So the first piece I did was a dollar bill. So what I did is I got a thousand and twenty nine dollar bills, and out of each of them, I cut an eighth inch piece and then I arrange it on this, this alphanumeric grid and I make my own dollar bill just using one little piece from each one. And then I put that one back out into circulation. I spend it, I deposit it back in the bank. Um, I just keep my little piece and it hasn't lost any of its value. And I really like this idea of, um, 
of that's kind of how we go through life. We we live experiences and we take something away from it, but that doesn't mean we've taken anything that other people need. Um, so it, it becomes this larger metaphor. So I did the dollar, then I did a five. I'm right now. I'm in the process of completing a ten dollar um, bill piece. It's it gets a little more difficult because obviously you're dealing with a lot more money, and and I do it in. I do it in lumps. Like right now, I do it in $500 sections because that's about all I can swing that I have to get out of the bank. Right, right. Then I, you know, I, I redeposit it or I spend it and just release it back into the system. And it, and it you know, it's still valid. It, it's still, it's, it still functions fully, but I have a little piece of it. Right. And I, I, I kind of like that idea. It's kind of, I think it's how I go through life. I, I take these little things from here and there. Well, and, and just a technical thing here before I get into something mm-hmm. else. Um, you know, how is it? Is it pieced back together? Or is it, or is it just kind of sandwiched between? It, it, it's pieced back together. What I use, um, it, it's like a two-step process. Once I cut each of these squares, I have an adhesive that I've printed the grid on, and so I, I lay them out. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like playing Battleship. It's like H five. That's that piece, and I just go in order, and one by one, I reassemble. With 1,029 pieces, I reassemble this bill. It's then transferred to this other adhesive. It, it's I forget the name of it, but it's the adhesive um, libraries use it to cover their books with. It's very, very clear. And so there's adhesive on the back. So you can actually hold this bill. And then it's sandwiched between two pieces of plexiglass for a presentation. So you can see front and back. Right. Well, and you know, just just for um, your future students that you're going to make listen to this, um, you know, just to point out some of the things that I like about this too, is that I, I think, you know, I think something, you know, that idea that we we're talking about something that appears simple, that has all these different layers like an onion. Yes. I mean, I think it's so perfect in that regard because, you know, for any of you that are going to be going to look at this, you can kind of see that there's areas that really line up, and then there's areas that really don't. Yeah. And, you know, and I think just even, even if the size is determined to be the same, you know, if people don't really look at their money, sometimes, you know, it seems like things are shifted slightly or, mm-hmm. you know, if a bill has been in circulation for a long time, it might be discolored, which is kind of a nice effect that, you know, I can see, um, you know, the piece in question, um, or even just, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, them being from different periods of time and, um, I don't know, to maybe think about what was going on. You know, even yeah. if, you, if you wanted to make it super political, it could be, you know, the, the debt crisis in all these different periods of time. <laughs> not, not that you would really be able to identify it, but I, I really like that idea of, you know, then really kind of distilling it out from um, just being this experience that you had with this money that we all have, you know, um, yeah. creating this yeah. own unique experience to kind of look at it and maybe give people the opportunity to really you know, think about it like that, you know, and I think, again, that's what, to me anyways, that was, that's what makes something really successful is, is when you can kind of do that. I, I, I agree. And with that piece, it's this idea of, of using, and that piece as a series is titled Value Added. And it's the idea of um, labor on, on the part of an artist not being in a conventional sense, but using a raw material be it paint, wood, whatever, to make something that that then has value by your hand. And in this case, the raw material I use is money. It's the ultimate raw material. It's 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 what people used to build and then mark up 
and add value to it. Um, yeah, they, they're, it's a very, very tedious process making those things. It takes, it takes, a, it takes a long time. It, it just, it, to me, it just makes me think that Kevin, Kevin Curry needs funding. You can, you can visit kevincurry.com, find <laughs> out, find out where to send a check. Um, it's, or just send a ten dollar bill. And I'll send it back to you with a hole cut through it. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. If, if only we were so lucky that ties in to a, a, another piece I had done recently um, using keyboard keys, and mm-hmm. it was titled "Home," where, right. where I, I reproduced the key, the home key off my keyboard using keys, and this idea of a self-referential material, embracing this larger idea of home, which then embraces kind of my life and this idea that I've moved so much and how home to me is kind of what we're doing right now. I'm sitting in front of my laptop. That's how I keep in touch with my parents, my brother, my friends that that's in a weird way. It's be, it's becoming that this um, extension of home. Right. Um, little, little hiccup there in my head. Um, but um you know, aside from then, you know, obviously you're spending time teaching um, when you're not in the studio, but um, are there any other kind of distractions that, that take you away from it? Or There should be, <laughs> um, especially being in Colorado. Um, you know, I, I teach and I go to the studio, and, and when I can force myself to not feel guilty about it, I'll, I'll head up to the mountains and enjoy what Colorado has so close by. Um, I tend to get trapped in my, in my studio, in my head a lot. Right. Um, yeah. And just, I am. And I, I guess too, spending, you know, spending so much time, you know, obviously when you're younger traveling and then being, you know, on the East coast for, you know, and here and there. And I mean, um, can you tell me what it is about Colorado? That's, I don't know. seems so, I don't know. Powerful. I can't think of a better word. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, there is something powerful about being out here. And, and years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I lived in New Mexico. And there, there is something about, I don't know if it's the expansiveness of the horizons or, you know, here in Denver, the elevation. But there's, um, there's an amazing positive energy out here. And I think everyone who spends any time out here, um, whether they recognize it or not, embraces that. Everyone I know who has come out here recognizes there's something really special about it. And I've lived on both coasts. I've lived in, you know, the Midwest. Um, I, I, I really enjoy it out here. Yeah. Very and, much so. and it's funny you, you mentioned that. I, I remember just going to, um, I don't know, there, there's a chain of, uh, like mom, pop bagel shops somewhere in, in Fort Collins, and I just remember, you know, looking for little things to do when I was out trekking around in the morning and stopping in. And you see, you know, like a wall placard of like all of these past employees and like every rafting trip that they took like every, every other weekend. So, I mean, it, it is I mean, that's one of the things that, to me that seems so appealing about being out there because, you know, right now it's um, I think it's like in the teens today and extremely windy. And um, granted, I don't know if it's that much nicer out there, but um you know, what, when it gets nicer here, I don't know that um, there's a particular place that I go. Yeah, I like to climb that, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, yeah. Just looking out the window here, it's it's pretty much a typical Colorado winter day. It's absolutely blue skies, 
it might only be 30 degrees out, but all you need is a light jacket. The, the sun is just so beautiful here. It's, it's incredible. It's actually inspiring, even though, I, and I'll, again, I really don't embrace it as much as I should. Well, um, it's, it's, I get kind of paranoid about not being in my studio. Well, just to kind of throw out another shout out there uh, to somebody that we both know is um, Amy Reckley, um, remind, or she talked about it as this idea of Midwestern guilt. <laughs> for, for not wanting to go out, you know, um, when it's sunny. And I, I remember being in Carbondale once where I think there was a record like, I don't know, it was like 30 days in a row of gray skies or I, maybe it was six. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, it's very easy to kind of see that oh, yeah. repeat. Um, and so that's that's certainly a very interesting thing about being out there. Um, and so got a you know, handful of more maybe slightly offbeat or, or maybe fun questions. But, um, sure. you know, as um, as somebody that obviously teaches, I mean, um, is this a, a lifestyle that you kind of uh, get, uh, kind of kind of encourage other people to kind of pursue, or is it kind of only for the, I don't know, the real risk takers? Or <laughs> well, you mean the teaching part? Well, I mean the being an artist part. Well, the artist part, and I have this this discussion with students all the time. Is it is if you're really going to be serious about it, it is extremely difficult. It is a never-ending um, search. And there, there, there's no, there's no end to it. You, there, you know, you don't retire. You don't get to some point and then retire and then buy an RV. Yeah, uh, it's, and that's, but that's what I love about it. But it, it's the kind of thing that also drives you crazy too. Like there, there's always something else you can do. Um, the combination of teaching and making my own art, I'm surprised at how much I enjoy it. And the teaching was, was never on, on my radar of something I wanted to do um, until I realized that I, one, I enjoyed it. And, um, I, I felt very comfortable in the classroom in front of students. And I, and especially now, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I teach what I do. I mean, this is, it's, it's an extension of my studio and I go in and I, and I, I get to, um, I get to share what I'm doing. And, you know, for some students who that's what they're looking to do, that's great. For other students, it, it's, it's interesting and challenging. And for yet other students, it might terrify them and they'll never do it. Right. I try and be honest with <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully not too honest. No. Um, <laughs> um, well, it's, and I guess so, you know, and kind of following that up, I mean, so are there any kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, specific moment that maybe you could kind of think of that kind of made you, I don't know, decide like, you know, this is, you know, like what I want to do. I don't know. <laughs> maybe there's a whole series of them for you. you know. There, there, not, not well. There's obviously the practical side. I mean, you know, it's an, it's a job. It's you know, there's income. I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing. Um, without going into too much detail, uh, probably what convinced me the most was, especially as an adult, experiencing professors. Like everyone's got their, you know, this person changed my life and they really made me want to do this. 
my version of that are professors that I had seen or perhaps had who, I, quite frankly, I thought were terrible. And it was frustrating to me because I was like, I could, I could do this. I could do this today. And I, I saw the value that I had and the voice that I had and what I could bring to a classroom as opposed to just going in and, you know, mailing it in or regurgitating. I, I, it's me, and it's, it's what makes my classroom setting unique is the fact that it's me teaching it. No one else can teach us the way I teach it. You can teach the same stuff, but the interaction I have with my students, the conversations we have, it's even though it, at times it may seem casual, it's, um, it's this embracing of, of dialogue and, and getting them to getting them to do what I didn't do at their age, which is find my voice. Right. When I was, especially when I was very young, I was an extremely quiet, very introverted um, student, especially. I never spoke up. I was a horrible student in school because I couldn't pay attention. I'd miss something, and I'd be too um, embarrassed or shy to ask questions. And so I'm very, very sensitive now to making sure, not coddling, but making sure that my students stay on track. Um, you know, they're on their own in many, many ways, but I think it's a sensitivity I have because the way I was, um, the way I was when I was younger, I keep that in mind a lot. Sure. Sure. And I, I think it helps a lot. Well, and so in, in terms of, you know, you talked a lot about how, um, it seems like your, your time is divided between, you know, uh, teaching and eating, um, some, uh, oatmeal. And then being in the studio and then eating some oatmeal. Um, I'm just kind of kidding there. Um, what do you, so are you, are you listening to anything when you're, when you're in the studio or are you listening to recordings of like, you know, power tool manual <laughs> discussions or tech? I, I, I'm obviously kind of kidding there, but. <laughs> um, you know, oftentimes I, I, and this may sound unhip or, or just not cool enough, but oftentimes I don't listen to anything. I, I sit in absolute silence and work for hours. Other times, I you know I'll, I'll be listening to a plethora of different music, um, and sometimes like and, and sometimes it, it's relevant. Like I, I was working on a piece while I was in a residency this summer, where I was finishing up a piece I had started years ago and, and sewing this quilt house, and it was based on. Um, Henry David Thoreau's cabin that he built at Walden. So during that time, over and over again, I listened to an audio recording of his book. And so this was constantly playing in the background, and I was just kind of drinking it in. Um, there was a certain efficiency, because I can work and I can listen at the same time. Sure. Um, but well, music-wise, it's, it's a huge, huge range Um I tend to listen listen to the same thing over and over again. It's mainly out of laziness, not wanting to get up to, to change a CD or, or unplug my iPod or whatever. Well, it, it's funny that you say you, you kind of put something in a way because I I always wind up getting in this hat. Well, you know, I'll, I'll throw something on and then when it runs out, if I'm really into what I'm doing, I can you know what I mean. I can wind up wasting another half hour just kind of sitting there intently, kind of working. Absolutely, because you know, you're just so kind of focused, which is which is kind of funny because you kind of think to yourself like I should I should put something on, 
she put something on, but you're just kind of like, you know, no, but I got to finish this area or I got to finish doing this, whatever this is. But um, See, I, I think that's a, that's a great place to get to because then, then you're so far inside your own head um, th- that it, it's, it's all happening in there. And, and I've always thought it'd be funny to, to watch myself work. And I, I have done that. I have videotaped myself. Work. I'm curious, <laughs> like, just what do I look like when I'm doing like hours and hours of the same thing? Uh, I, it's not it's not the kind of thing that will ever be a um, a cable show of artist working. I don't know. It's, it sounds like you actually. It sounds like you're pretty focused, though. I don't know. I, I try to be. I, it's, I, I, it's very easy, as you know, maybe to work from home and to get really kind of distracted. So. I don't know. Well, it's it's, yes. it's, 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 it's going to be focused. I, I, it is. And I, I'm fortunate for, for the first time ever in my career as an artist, which is now spanning many years before <laughs> or whatever, um, I, I finally have a, a, a studio in downtown Denver that is um, – it's great. It, it's like this – great space where I go to and it's, it's, it's mine. I can leave my stuff out and it's, it's, I, I, I fully embrace like being there previously. I was working in my apartment. I get some work done at school, but that's, you know, that's problematic in itself, but having the studio, it's really changed a lot. And it's, it's really helped me with my focus, which is something I, I battle with all the time. Um, and probably always will just getting my brain going in one direction and, and moving forward. So having the studio um, has, has changed a lot, and, and that was a big decision on my part. Obviously, there was a financial consequence of having the studio, and so it, it was a big decision, but I found one I really like, and um, that, I, I'll jump ahead for a little bit here, what's also making a difference now uh, with my focus, and hopefully will even make a bigger difference, is the fact that I've been, I've been picked up by a gallery here in Denver, um, Rule Gallery, um, which is um, owned and operated by Robin Rule, and she's been in this business for a long time. Um, I think her gallery is now going on 25 years, and so that's something I'm really excited about between finally feeling somewhat grounded being in Denver. I've been here two years now. Finally having a studio where I can take things out of boxes and have things out, not just tools, but my artwork, like having it out so I can be looking at it and and working on it. That, to me, is a big thing, and considering it. Um, That in combination with um, um, working with Robin and her gallery, where where are we having a solo show in May? <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually actually going to be getting there. So so we've got a, sh- a solo show to look forward to. Yeah, that'll um, be. Um, I think we're opening on May fourth, which is a first Friday here in Denver. Which excellent, is always, excellent. Yeah, that that's going to be great, and hopefully that'll be pretty much a between now and then. It's going to be pretty much a new body of work, um, expanding on previous pieces, but pretty much all new work. I'm so, very excited about. So just taking it easy on yourself for the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah, I'll just probably slack off, <laughs> sit around, you know, the usual. Well, if you just if you just get some invest in some spray paint, you know, <laughs> you can you can pretty much change every piece that you've done. Um, <laughs> this is true. Though, this is true. Though, and, and I realized actually that that was kind of the last little bit too. To be honest, was um, um, 
you know, this, this show or, or kind of, kind of see what's going on. So it's exciting. I hope everybody goes to check it out. But, um, I'm just curious just cause it's one of my, it's a piece that I, I know that you've done and, um, I've seen it floating around. I don't know if it's still around, but, um, is the, um, um, the little confessional, uh, written, um, you know, piece, is that, is that still floating around? It still exists. I actually rebuilt it. Uh, last year or the year before to make it better and to operate. Yes, I, that is, I have boxes and boxes of shredded secrets. Man, that's going to be, how, how do you, how do you decide what you're going to do with that? Well, uh, the overriding idea is, and what I, what I have done in the past is I, I take all these secrets that people write on provided cards and drop into this, this podium that shreds them and illuminates them at the same time. Then I, I turn it back into pulp and I, I make brand new sheets of paper from it. Oh, and interesting. Then these are bound into books that, um, so all these books, although they're, they're blank, they contain everyone's secrets, everyone's dreams, everyone's hopes, everyone's nightmares, whatever. So it's all in this series of books and I'm, I'm working on making a whole volume of these books, these blank books. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's, um, there's, it's, people got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that's really, I mean, especially the, uh, um, you know, I think that would just be a, you know, super interesting show in and of itself, you know? Yeah. Certainly, just because, I mean, um, you know, having, having been a participant, um, it, it's kind of interesting what you wind up, uh, <laughs> jotting down that nobody ever sees, you know? Well, it, it's that freedom, it's that freedom of anonymity. And, and it's interesting whenever I'm in a location where that piece is installed and I get to watch people, the same people go back over and over again. Like once, once you open these, these floodgates, you got to be prepared for what comes out. There's, it fills up pretty fast. Every, every time it's been in a show, it, it's amazing how fast it, it fills up. It's interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on. Well, and, um, it brings us to our, our conclusion. Um, so I just want to thank Kevin again for, for joining us and, uh, giving us some insight. Thank you, Dave. This has been great. No, no problem. No problem. Thanks again to Kevin for joining us today. Once again, you can check out more of Kevin's work at kevincurry.com. Intro music today was by Bogdan and the song was entitled Beginnings will be taken out by John Bellows' Traveler's Shoes. Remember, if you like this episode of Studio Break, you can check out more of them if you've missed them at studiobreak.com. And you can also become a fan of Studio Break on Facebook, so please do that as well. All in all, I think this is going to be a great year. I hope people keep listening, and we'll talk to you real soon. Like you.